0: Have you ever come off a bad call that might have really frustrated you or maybe you're dealing with something administratively that doesn't sit right with you and you get frustrated by it and you get, a, you get back on the truck or you get back to the station and you use that sacred space to debrief and express your feelings and frustration to your crew only to hear someone on your crew say something like, well, it could have been worse or we're just lucky to have jobs, guys. When people respond to your vulnerability and willingness to express frustration in this way, they're ultimately diminishing your feelings or trying to ignore them altogether. There are more examples of this type of response and behavior, but I recently discovered that there's an official term for it, toxic positivity. In today's episode, I'll share what I've learned about what toxic positivity is, help give you some ways to identify it. And I'll provide you with some strategies that we can use so that we aren't the ones purveying this type of dismissive and rude behavior. Before we begin, I want to make sure that we are all clear on what exactly is meant when I'm referring to the term toxic positivity. Samara Cantero, licensed marriage and family counselor, and Dr. Jamie Long, licensed clinical psychologist, define toxic positivity as the excessive and ineffective overgeneralization of a happy, optimistic state across all situations. They propose that the process of toxic positivity results in the denial, minimization, and invalidation of the authentic emotional human experience. When we repress our emotions, the psychological toll manifests in typically negative ways, whether it be outbursts at our, uh, within our homes, at our families, abuse of drugs and alcohol, depression, depression. All of those things that kind of go hand in hand. Uh, As firefighters, we aren't the best at being willing to recognize or express our emotions because our egos typically force us to ignore them uh, due to being the ones who are, quote, supposed to be the strong ones, right? Or at least look like we're being the strong ones. I would argue that being able to recognize our emotions and use them as tools to identify what our next appropriate actions should be is what makes us strong. For example, if we find ourselves frustrated about a call, whether it be due to the rude nature of the patient or something going wrong with a treatment we performed, we need to be able to A, acknowledge our feeling of frustration, and B, process that feeling so that it doesn't cause us or someone else harm down the road. Ignoring our feelings or you've probably heard this right burying them deep deep down under gallons of alcohol coffee and dying dreams isn't the way to go and there's no badge of honor for living like that i know that some of us laugh and joke about that but in all actuality if that's truly what's happening that is weakness it takes strength to walk through the fire to deal with your emotions to face the things that are challenging you rather than covering them up or burying them under gallons and gallons of alcohol and coffee, right? Mark Manson, the author of The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F, A Counterintuitive Approach to Living a Good Life, says, Everything worthwhile in life is won through surmounting the associated negative experience. Any attempt to escape the negative, to avoid it, Or quash it or silence it only backfires. The avoidance of suffering is a form of suffering. The avoidance of struggle is a struggle. The denial of failure is a failure. And hiding what is shameful is itself a form of shame. In essence, when we try to ignore the negative, we're only compounding it. It's a lot like ignoring a fire. What happens when we ignore a fire? It grows, right? Gets out of control. And it creates much more damage than it would have had we knocked it out when it was a lot smaller. So how do we recognize toxic positivity when it's happening? Here are some things to look at according to Quintero and Dr. Long. They list seven things, and these are just some of the things that they've been able to specifically pick out, and I thought they were very insightful. I actually have another little list that I'm going to share with you later on, but this list was very insightful, I thought. So number one, hiding or masking your true feelings. Number two, trying to, quote, just get on with it by stuffing or dismissing your emotions. Number three, feeling guilty for feeling what you're feeling. It's kind of a meta sentence, right? Number four, minimizing other people's experience with feel-good quotes or statements. Number five, trying to give someone perspective. Ergo, well, it could be worse, right? Kind of like I mentioned earlier. Doing that instead of validating and actually listening to what people are saying. Number six, shaming or chastising others for expressing frustration or anything other than positivity. And number seven, brushing off things that are bothering you with an it-is-what-it-is attitude. One of my most despised sayings that I hear all the time is, it is what it is. This expression is often used to characterize a frustrating situation that someone believes can't be changed and must be accepted. And to me, it's the slogan of the status quo, and it makes my skin crawl. I understand that there are things that that happen that we ultimately don't have a whole lot of control over, like when a person dies under our care who has irreparable traumatic damage or years and years of plaque buildup in their arteries. However, we may not be able to control that outcome, but we can control our attitudes about it rather than writing it off as, well, that's the way it goes and not looking deeper We can do some exploring into ourselves and our practices to make sure that we aren't growing more dismissive and calloused to the loss of human life. And not only calloused to that, but calloused to each other. Another one of the things that uh, or to look for that were pointed out in that list was the it could be worse comment, right? And I mentioned that early on. In fact, it's this very saying that sparked the topic for this episode, We had just come off one of our most frequent types of 911 calls, lift assists. And side note, looking at the statistics of falls and fall injuries, these are the most dangerous and deadly categories of the types of calls that we run on. It's crazy, right? Death is associated with falls more than any other type of EMS calls that we run. Crazy, right? So now I'm sure there are those uh, extenuating circumstances and those things that lead to that, like... Uh, some statistical implications maybe be, or maybe are like, um, how many of those falls were traumatic versus medical, right? That's a good question. And how many people fell as a result of having a stroke or a heart attack? So it's like, did they fall and then die because of the fall? Well, no, not really. They, they were having a heart attack, which took them to the ground and, you know the the fell is kind of the result of the of the main issue anyway the questions abound right but i digress the statement it could be worse really frustrated me because it's a general one that could literally be applied to any situation and pays no attention to the specifics of what i was speaking to and the simple fact that it could always be worse doesn't negate the frustration that people may be feeling to me This is a subtle but direct hit to the trust of the crew because what's happening is that a person is dismissing the openness of another. And what that does is it makes that person not want to open up at all later on, maybe even about some really important things, maybe some life saving things. One last statement that really showcases how people feel like they're contributing or helping without actually offering anything of value is well, everything happens for a reason. Yeah, no shit. Everything happens for a reason. It's called cause and effect. It's called Newton's third law for every action. There's an equal and opposite reaction to say that everything happens for a reason is like stating that water is wet and it offers no help or sympathy or empathy to a person who might be experiencing frustration or anger. So I said I'd share with you another list of some signs that you can kind of pay attention to so that's on your radar. And uh, this is a short little list from the great, amazing, smart, genius people at Precision Nutrition. Number one, don't permit yourself to experience or discuss difficult emotions such as anger or grief. So toxic positivity is a result of you not allowing yourself to go through the experience of what are perceived as negative emotions like anger and grief. Number two, repressed negative emotions seem to leak out in other ways. They manifest in different ways, like muscle tension, disappearing beer bottles or cases of beer that just mysteriously disappear, Um, disproportionate explosions of rage for simple things like not being able to find your keys. Number three, you feel guilty or ashamed whenever you experience a quote unquote negative emotion like frustration or sadness. Like, uh, maybe you're thinking, I have no right to feel this, or my life's okay and so many other people are suffering. That's you just being dismissive of what it is you're feeling. You're not paying attention to what it is. You're not owning the emotion. You're kind of pushing it off to the side, and that's not okay. Number four, you feel uncomfortable when people around you are suffering. So you say things like, well, just look on the bright side, or... Well, it could be worse, or at least we have jobs, or it is what it is, right? Those, ugh, I cannot stand those sayings. I hear them way too often, and I can't freaking stand it. Um, you Listening to these lists of things that have kind of helped as identifiers for what toxic positivity is, like on the internal and the external, you might be able to surmise your own reasons why toxic positivity isn't good for you and your crew dynamic and how it diminishes trust but let me share with you some practical ways that we can fight this on the front line the uh, the father of analytical psychology dr carl jung said i'd rather be whole than good when toxic positivity is allowed to continue things like shame suppressed emotions, isolation, and other problems get fed. This is true for the firehouse as well as our personal lives, and anything I can do to help shore up myself and you by sharing the things that I've learned, I'm going to share it. It's by becoming aware of these things that makes us able to step over them in the minefield of issues that we already face as firefighters and first responders. But now that we know some of the signs and indicators for what toxic positivity looks like, we have some examples. It's important to know what we can do to put a stop to it, or at least when it's coming from us, right? We can at least recognize it in others, maybe have some conversations, but ultimately we have control of ourselves, right? So let's, let me give you four, four things that we can do to put a stop to it when it's coming from us. Number one. Don't ignore what you might think of as, quote, negative emotions. Ultimately, emotions are tools for us to identify the things in our lives that may need to change or at least help us identify working toward a process to help mitigate our stressors that cause that frustration and anger, right? They're basically indicators to help you try to formulate a new path for success, or a path around, through, under, or over a challenge. So don't ignore what you might think of as negative emotions. Just see them as tools. Number two, take a moment before you offer words just for the sake of saying something, right? You don't want to be the guy who blurts out, well, it is what it is, or could be worse. Don't just fill dead air. If you're feeling uncomfortable saying something, don't say anything or at least until you've thought about what it is that you'll say. At least now you can be conscious in responding to that. And we strive toward being first responders, right? Not first reactors. So take a moment before you offer words, figure out what it is you're really trying to say and, and how you can support your crewmate and and offer those words of maybe just understanding or maybe just offer an ear and listen, right? I know it's tough for us because we're by nature, problem solvers. So we want to solve every little problem and we want to offer a solution immediately. But again, sometimes you just got to listen. Number three, ask questions. And again, I'll quote Walt Whitman. One of my favorite quotes, be curious, not judgmental. And believe it or not, toxic positivity is a form of judgment. When a person is trying to stifle your emotions, that's them actively judging that your emotions aren't valid, and trying to swap them out for something that makes more or makes them more comfortable. Right? If they pay attention to them at all, so someone stifling you when you stifle someone else, you're actually being judgmental because you're you're judging and you're deciding that what they have to say, what they have to feel, isn't important, and we don't want that. Right? When we go into EMS situations or go on calls, go into homes and EMS calls. We don't sit there and tell them how to feel or how to be, right? We ask questions. We perform an assessment, and it's only by asking those questions can we formulate a proper and appropriate strategy for providing them the help that they need and moving forward. So ask questions. Don't be judgmental. Number four, make an effort to welcome the idea that feelings are necessary and a normal life experience that's neither good nor bad. Again, emotions are a tool to help us recognize the things that we experience. When people are expressing emotions that aren't viewed as positive, we shouldn't judge them for it. But we can be there to help them. We can be there to support them. We can be there for them as someone that can listen and help guide them to a resolution. And this goes for the patients and victims that we run on, as well as the people that we serve with on the fire truck or the ambulance and the people in our families. So I share these things with you not as a call to repentance, but as action toward awareness so that we can be more mindful in how we deal with other people, be they the strangers we serve as firefighters and paramedics or the people living within the walls of our home. And I'm not too proud to admit that I've been guilty of this at times. You know, we're all guilty of these things. We just need to come together, figure out a way forward and make those changes so that we can make those connections, build those relationships, um, and improve our environment. Like I said, we're all guilty of moments where we've tried to force someone out of their current emotional state, right? Have you ever heard someone tell a kid, don't be sad when they're upset? Like, like you're just supposed to snap your fingers and be like, don't be sad. That's. It's not how it works, and and we certainly, I hope we certainly don't do this to to patients or to people who have lost loved ones on scene or something like that. Just tell them, eh, hey, don't be sad. <laughs> like it's ridiculous, right? <clears throat> I know we don't want them to be sad, and you know that we don't want that for them. But this is a perfect example of toxic positivity. Instead of allowing that person to feel what they're feeling. Uh, And instead of telling people to, you know, just don't feel a certain way, let's practice our efforts not to ignore. Let's take a moment, ask some questions, and make an effort to understand and be the brother or sister that we said we would be when we interviewed for that spot on the fire truck. Ultimately, this is only a focus on one element of removing something that would stifle us, from being the firefighter we would want on our crew. Any kind of toxicity needs to go. And I know the term toxic and toxicity have been thrown around and kind of run rampant among the media outlets with terms like toxic masculinity and things like that. And ultimately, it isn't masculinity that's toxic or positive, right? It isn't about a gender issue. How we wield those things makes us toxic. How we wield, how we behave towards each other is what makes us toxic. Our behaviors and lack of awareness make us toxic, not our genders or our cheery dispositions. The specific topic that I'm talking about today was something that I was made aware of and researched when I sought answers due to experiencing it firsthand. So I hope you got some, I hope you got some good tidbits out of it. You got something put on your radar, maybe Maybe it's something you're doing. Maybe it's something you are recognizing that other people are doing that are in your charge. So do what you can with that where you are. I hope you've been able to add an algorithm to your interpersonal radar by listening to this episode. I got a lot out of doing the research behind why I was feeling so annoyed, so frustrated when I get the, it could be worse, quote unquote, or the, At least we have a job, comments, and mentality. As if having a job makes it okay to be treated like crap or have our frustrations ignored. I don't understand how, well, we should just be thankful we have a job. Like, to me, that's slave mentality. But we can talk about that on another episode. (laughs) I really appreciate those of you who listen to and support the show. I write and produce this show for free. So please, if you're getting value from it, Give it a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you got any value from today's show, I'd ask that you share it with someone you think would enjoy it. It'll be a great discussion point for you to connect with those on your crew, and it'll introduce them to what we're doing here at Ignited. By the way, if you love reading books and are looking to join a book club, join the Ignited Readers Book Club. The club is run through Facebook, so you can simply do a search online or click the link in the show notes. The most recent group reading selection is Seven Rules for Power, Surprising but True Advice on How to Get Things Done and Advance Your Career by Jeffrey Pfeffer. In the book, Professor Pfeffer, it's kind of a tongue twister, asks you to consider power without being limited by a moral aptitude. And it's a bit Machiavellian, but it's 100% honest, and I've been able to have some assumptions confirmed, and my perspective changed as to why some people promote within organizations and why others don't. And it sparked some great discussion and has definitely given me some insight as to how leverage and power help get people promoted over skill and leadership capability. And speaking of books, I've got a huge announcement. I wrote a book, and it's called Own It, Build a Fire Service Culture of Trust and Integrity Through Accountability. In the book, I give a systematic approach to building systems of trust and how to be active in holding yourself and others accountable so you can create a rock-solid culture where accountability isn't a bad word and trust can thrive. The book will launch on July 26th on Amazon, and I'd love it if you supported my mission with Ignited by purchasing a copy. I'm going to be running some promotions during the first month of the launch. Uh, like I said, it's, it'll launch July 26th, so throughout August I'll be doing all kinds of promotions. Uh, so stay tuned and share with those you think support the idea of systems of accountability and how they'll make us better people, and as a result better firefighters, EMS professionals, and family members. Well, that wraps it up for this episode of the Ignited Firefighter Podcast. Click the links in the show notes and be a part of the growing community by joining the Ignited Firefighter Facebook group. This is where we can all contribute and share stories of what new things we're learning along with anything else you want to share or inquire about. Thanks again, and until next time, if you see a need, own it and take action be the ideal firefighter you would want on your crew be ignited